Hello, everyone. My name is Nikia Whitaker Woody, and I am the CEO and event coordinator for the BA World. And welcome to the virtual reality interview series. Today, our enterprising visionary is Ms. Lakeisha Williams. Lakeisha is a highly skilled operations professional with an impressive timeline of over 20 years. Wow. Of deep expertise in customer engagement and process improvement, which has framed her as a virtual and vital asset in any organization. Lakeisha's passion for nurturing strong client relationships and implementing effective customer relation management systems and strategies is a testament to her commitment to service and excellence. Her unique knack for curating personalized client experiences has led to enhanced customer satisfaction and bolstered retention rates. Apart from her transformative work in customer engagement, Lakeisha shines brightly in project management as well. Her ability to have an eagle eye view of multiple projects while maintaining meticulous attention to detail consistently results in the delivery of high quality outcomes. Good morning, or should I say good afternoon, Lakeisha. Good afternoon, how are you? How are you? I'm good, I'm I'm good, good, good. Um, okay, you ready for uh, me? introduction. I was about to ask you, who was you introducing? <laughs> you know it's you, girl. You know it's you. So oh, it, you know how it is. When you when you hear it, like you can write your bios and stuff like that, but when you hear it coming back to you from somebody else, you're like, dang, I did all that. <laughs> it's been that long for real. And now it's like so weird when you say over 20. You know, it's like, dang. Man. I mean, I have 28 years as being an administrative assistant, and sometimes I'd be like, whoa. What was it's I like doing? you just started sometimes, don't it? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but you know, I get I got real seasoned. I got real seasoned. Um, I don't know if you saw my post yesterday, but one of my executives is leaving and he wrote me this awesome, awesome, encouraging um email about how um he enjoyed the fact that I challenged him and that I didn't just always accept the status quo. I got him to listen to me and consider another viewpoint and um how other people were intimidated by him and I didn't allow that. And you know, it was just like super awesome because someone who is always being told they're too ghetto or they're too um uneducated or they don't fit the mold to be advanced. That was like, oh my God, just being me does actually work. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. I super love those, inspired I love by that. Them type of compliments. I, I absolutely yes. love those type of compliments. Well, kudos to you. Good job. Yes. yes. Good job. So, true to who you are. Yes. You know, and, and that's been like a struggle. I mean, definitely in, in real life, but especially when I transition to, to virtual life. Um, I don't know if anyone knows this, but, you know, we're A1 day ones. Um, so we know each other, know each other. Um, right. We've had our fights and we've had our everything. So, you that's know, all that's going to be in right? this interview. Huh? That's what siblings do, right? It is. It is. So as A1 day ones who's been through it, how do you feel we can foster collaboration and support among women of color? Mm. Girl, <laughs> you snatched one. You snatched a real good one. 
with the experience I've had doing this now for so many years, I can say it's been a roller coaster ride as far as collaboration, as far as support from other black women. Um, and I say that because not every relationship can go through the ebbs and flows. Um, it's it's gonna be the same way it is like with any relationship with family, romantic relationships, work relationships. You're gonna have the ebbs and flows of it. So for me, that's what it's been. And it's been a roller coaster. Um, I've met some amazing women that support no matter what, even if we beefing, hence me and you. Even when we beefing, we still support each other because we know there's a bigger picture in the background and we know we all have good days, we all have bad days. And just because we beefing don't mean we can't support each other. And then I'm a firm believer in if we are having issues, we handle those issues behind closed doors. In the public eye, we still besties. We still love each other. That's the way I handle family relationships. That's the way I handle my virtual work relationships. That's the same way I handle my romantic relationships. If we having some issues, that's our business. We handle that behind closed doors. We don't let the public in because once you start letting other people into what you got going on, it's probably going to get blew up bigger than what it should have been in the first place. When all it was was you was just in a crabby mood that day and you took it out on everybody else around you. But if you make a genuine connection with people, they understand that, OK, she may have just been having a bad day or she understand that I was just having a bad day. We can come back like two adults have a conversation and we'll be cool again. And that's what it's supposed to be. You should never fall all the way out with somebody. But if you do, then we understand that some people are meant to be here for a reason and some people are only meant here to be for a season. So that is true. That is true. So um, I met you in 2018. Can you believe it's been five years? Um, mm -hmm. When I first was starting my business, you were in one of the groups I chose to become a, a part of. Um, so you saw my evolution. And, and, and part of that evolution was rebranding. So I went from the typical Miss Whitaker Woody virtual services. Oh my God, that was so long. But <laughs> I switched it up a year later into Kiss Virtual Services. Um, I've seen you go through the rebranding process twice. Yeah. Speak to that. Ooh, you know how as a kid, when you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to figure out which group you fit into. Are you with the popular kids? Are you with the loners? You know, are you with the nerds? Not not saying, not using any of those terms as a derogatory term, but that's just a, a word to describe the different personalities in the different groups. It's the same thing in business. It it For me, and I don't know about everybody else, but for me, everything has to feel right. Mm -hmm. And when I first started my business with the name of my business, I didn't name it because I couldn't think of what to name it. And that's one of the hardest things to do when you first start out. Mm -hmm. You cannot think of what to name your freaking business. And so at first I went with it. It was cool. But what I started to see was the name of my business started to box me in. Mm -hmm. People thought that I was just doing that, but I was growing and I was evolving. I was gaining more skill sets. And I was starting to specialize in things, as they say in the industry, and you probably hear it in every industry, I was starting to niche down. Mm -hmm. I was not just doing administrative work. So the name key administration didn't work anymore. 
because I was evolving. So I went through a phase to where I hated the name of my business. Um, and my rebrand, doing the rebrand more than one time, it wasn't just like the first rebrand was just the colors that I used. It was still the same name, but I was changing up what my logo looked like. I was changing up what my brand colors were to make it more me. And I, I feel like it was, it wasn't so much that I rebranded is it was more that I evolved. Mm-hmm. So my brand started evolving with me. Well, ultimately, as you can see, it ended up changing. The name changed, the colors changed, the logo changed, what I do in my business changed, all of that. And I feel like I reached a point where I figured out what it is that I really enjoy doing, which is managing people, managing processes, managing systems. So I was like, what is a name that I could do? And I kept hearing in the back of my head, in the back of my head, and I kept hearing in all of the rooms that I was in and the communities that I was involved in. Do y'all know who manages this? Do y'all know who manages that? And out of the blue one day, somebody said, oh, he manages that. And that kind of stuck with me. I didn't run with it as soon as I heard it, but it kind of stuck with me. And the more it stuck with me, I got this hearing it more and more. I was like, oh, key manages. So when people see my name, they like, what is that? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, what? It's okay. So when you think about it, you like, who manages that? Oh, key manages that. And that didn't box me into me managing just one thing. I can manage projects. I can manage processes. I can manage people. I can manage systems. So it didn't box me in. I can take it and I can run in every direction where my skill set lies. So that's how I land where I am. I think that is a great piece um, of interesting story in that, you know, when we are starting out as entrepreneurs, it is hard to figure out what we're going to name ourselves and that um, it speaks to the fact that we don't have to stay boxed into one thing. Um, We should think future forecasting because believe me if you wait too late it's gonna cost you more money (laughs) and it's gonna affect your clients because they're gonna be like well what's this now um in addition to if you go through the process that i went through of getting a trademark you're gonna have to get trademarked again so definitely understand that and i appreciate you telling us that story because i think that new entrepreneurs should know that when you're first starting out it's this idea but as you grow and evolve which you will it's okay to change that Absolutely. Absolutely. What got you interested in systems? I've always been that kid that was interested in systems. As a kid, I used to take Walkmans and I just dated myself for real when I said that. (laughs) But I used to take stuff apart just to see how the gears worked in the inside of it. I remember taking, like I said, I used to take Walkmans apart. I used to take clocks and watches apart just so I could look at the gears and oh, this gear has to move to move, that one to move, this one to make it all do this, that, and the third. So um, once I got into actually building my business and I got to go back even further, like, you know, whenever we were younger or in elementary school, they used to ask us, what did we want to be when we grew up? Mm -hmm. I never said I wanted to work a job. While all the other kids were saying they wanted to work a job or they wanted to be a princess or a firefighter or something like that. I always said that I wanted to work for myself, but I didn't have that example to show me what it looked like or where to start with it. So I followed the example that was around me, which was getting a job. So I found myself at every single job trying to learn, well, why do we do this? Why is this step so important? 
to get to the outcome that we're what they were trying to get to. So I started learning all of the bits and pieces and I realized it's not just machines that have bits and pieces that have mm -hmm. to turn and work together. Us as people and the things that we do have to be the exact same way. So it's always been something that I wanted to know. So when I got into business, when I started my business, I wanted to know, okay, well, how in the world is it that this company is sending me an email and they know exactly what to say to me, exactly when to say it to get me to push the button to buy it? Oh, that's how they keeping up with it. So I started looking into all of the background systems. I grabbed the one that I've been with the longest uh, as soon as it hit the market, which is Dub Sato, my CRM. And I dove head first into it. I was one of the first people in the community to start actually teaching it to other people mm -hmm. and had created what they consider now a Dub Sato setup business back in 2016. Dub Sato started in 2016. I actually got into it a few months after they launched and went live. And I've been with them ever since. I've taught several classes on Dub Sato. Um, I was looking through my Google Drive and actually had my VA go through my Google Drive and pull a bunch of stuff together. And when I tell y'all that folder about Dub Sato is massive, OMG. Yes. I was like, okay, I've really been doing this for a long time. And I can pretty much, like, if you tell me something that's going on in your Dub Sato account, I can pretty much tell you what part of your process you need to go back into and what to tweak in it to make what you want to happen, happen in it. So that's where my love of systems came from. That's interesting. Um, I, too, did not want to be an entrepreneur. Well, how about this? I did not realize until I took a class recently that I was being groomed to be an entrepreneur. Um, so that was interesting for me because I just thought they wanted me to be smart. Um, but when I was growing up, my grandfather had me to make spreadsheets and do his budget. And my grandmother always had me um, doing creative things and learning how to do other things like reading the encyclopedia and things like that and volunteering and all the other things. So I always had a love of learning how to do new things, but I also knew that I was going to be um, community focused and bless other people. So that is how I came to have all the things that I have in my personality now that helped me to do all the things. I remember I got my first word processor. Do you remember those? It was a typewriter. Like literally it was a typewriter. Oh, but okay, it automatically okay. typed. Remember that? I'm gonna say you use another words. We didn't call it a word processor. We just called it a typewriter. <laughs> no, it was a typewriter, but it was automatic. So it like had the display and you would type what you wanted to type and you would check it and then you press enter and that's when it typed it on the paper. I oh, love that thing. Okay. You were fancy because baby, we just had the typewriter that when you hit the button, it went on the it went on the paper. Mm -hmm. Click, 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 click. Yeah, that's what girl. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. That was my, my daddy voice. always <laughs> made sure. My daddy always made sure I had the latest and greatest. Um, my parents were going to college when I was growing up and they were taking computer systems. So I was always reading their textbooks, learning how to do new things in technology. So that's where I got my level systems. But you also taught me how to use Dubsado. And I have been a Dubsado user for since 2018, and I was certified in Dubsado all because of your um, expertise and tutelage of making sure I had the right systems when I first started my business. So 
I appreciate that because that is one of my main systems that I use when I'm onboarding clients. So let's talk about this. When you first start your business, what do you think is the first thing you should do when it comes to setting and achieving realistic goals and milestones for your business? First and foremost, understanding that you can't do everything. So picking, I say a good three things that you will focus on. Focus your time and your energy, your effort on uh, building your skill set up around those. I say, I always say start with what comes natural to you. If it comes natural to you to do calendar management, inbox management, whether that's email or social media inboxes, those are the things that you should focus on. Um, and, and that's one of the things that people always ask me, I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Do the thing that you absolutely love to do. And I, I, I frame it in what is something that you do right now that brings you so much joy, but you're not getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. Like literally you could do it. You could see yourself doing it for the rest of your life and never receive a dime for it, but you'd be ecstatic every day to get up and do it. That's where your focus should be. And for me, it was literally helping people understand processes, understanding systems, and how to work together as a team. So that's where my business has led me. I've gone down rabbit holes and trying to go in other directions, but I always ended up right back here where I am. Even like when I think about the different jobs that I've had over the years working in corporate, every single one of my jobs led me here. Mm-hmm. I did one component or another, if not more than one at at the same time in every single job. So I would say focus on what it is that you are wanting to do first. Step two would then be start entertaining who you want to work with, because you're going to start out saying, I just want to help business owners. Business owners, it's that's a variation. It's so many of us doing so many different things. So you're going to, you know, dive into that and it's going to take you working across all of the different industries at some point before you realize, okay, this is actually the industry that intrigues me the most. This is the one that I excel in the most. I've been in business since 2014 and I'm still working on that and figuring that part out. So the last thing I would say is work on your patience. (laughs) And that's the most important one. Work on your patience because you have got to be patient. And I'm not saying that be patient, just being patient with other people. You really got to be patient with yourself because you don't know what you don't know. And there's going to be times where you're going to be frustrated and mad and want to sit it down. But if you truly love what you're doing, you're going to pick it right back up. You're just going to have that bad day or it may turn into a few days or a week or however long it is, but you're going to come back to it. It is really um, really love to do. Yeah. That is the only reason I started my business is because I love my career so much. And I've had so much advice on the, you should quit your job and you should quit your job. And I want people to know that you don't have to quit your job if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to express how, yes, I was one of those people who wanted to help all nonprofits. And everybody was like, nonprofits, I got no money. And then I was one of those people who wanted to do all the things because I love being creative and I loved systems. And I found in doing all that, I burned myself out creatively. And so I couldn't do what I loved for myself. So I had to evolve 
And going back to, I only like doing admin stuff. That's my passion. That's what I'm going to stick to. And the other stuff is just for me. I get a lot of people who are like, oh, I love your graphics and I love your energy and da 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 And I have to reassert. I know somebody who could do that, but I personally don't offer that service. So that is very um, good advice to have patience with yourself in addition to having patience with potential clients because yes, you're going to get a lot of people who want to say, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? You're going to get a lot of people also who want to not pay you, not pay you. <laughs> we call them tire kickers. Yeah. So um, I, I think you should set realistic goals in setting a time limit on how long you want to try something. So that you don't go down the rabbit hole, you know, oh, I like this. Let's give myself six months to acclimate myself and see if this works. So I think mm -hmm. that's a realistic goal to set. And, you know, milestones is celebrate the little things. Celebrate that you made consistent posts for a week. Celebrate that you did a live and didn't lose your breath like I used to do. <laughs> you know, celebrate, celebrate that the you didn't click on none of your clients this week. <laughs> you know, so love those those things. Okay. We've both been new entrepreneurs with a little season now, a little season. What do you think are the critical financial considerations that new entrepreneurs should consider when starting out? Mm. Man, it's so easy to blow a budget. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to blow a budget. I would say consider having somebody, having a no man on your team. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things when it comes to your finances is having a no man on your team. And what I mean by that is we are often surrounded by people that tell us yes to every single idea we have, to every single purchase that we have. You need to have that one person that is a very rational thinker that can tell you no. Because, baby, I can tell you, everybody out here creating all of the things that you need. Let me do my air quotes. They creating everything that you need in your business. And... It may be $9, it may be $7, it may be $27, it may be $29, it may be $47. At the end of the day, just because you feel that's not a lot of money, but when you start mm -hmm. compounding that stuff on top of each other, mm -hmm. it turns into a lot of money very fast. So you need that person, that no man on your team, somebody to, that you talk to that helps you make those decisions on where to spend your money. That's the biggest thing. The other thing is, I would say financially that you need to look at is not comparing yourself to everybody else. And I know this kind of goes into another area, but the finance part of it is the main area when people start looking at how much money other people are saying that they're making. And I say saying because a lot of times those numbers are fluff mm -hmm. or they're telling you about what the uh, what the gross amount of money the revenue that has come through their business. Not and, net profit. Yeah, and not the net profit. Because I can sit here and say that within the last year, I did $50,000. But let's be honest, part of that $50,000 was the value of a service that I did for free. Mm -hmm. Or it was the value of a service or a product or something that I got from somebody else for free. I didn't actually have to spend it. We may have did a barter. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it right, and this is a little pro tip, even in your barters, 
paper trail to mm -hmm. show that money is moving, even if all you're doing is giving it right back to each other. Mm -hmm. There has to be a paper trail behind it. It has to be documentation behind it because in order for you to write those things off on your taxes, you got to be able to prove that it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So having, having somebody that's going to help you say yes or no to making real decisions, money decisions in your business, mm -hmm. no matter how big or how small, um, the other thing is I would say is set a goal, a money goal for everything that you do in your business. How much money do you want to make in a year? How much of that money do you want to stay in your business versus going out to paying the business bills and payroll is part of the business bills? Mm -hmm. How much of that, look at how much of that needs to be set aside for taxes. Mm -hmm. Understand like you don't have to become a professional in every aspect but you need to have an understanding of every aspect of where your money is going, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to taxes. Mm -hmm. Because you may think that you only need to put 15% aside, which it may be true when you first start now. But as you make more money, mm -hmm. you move up in tax brackets and the amount of money you need to set aside changes. Mm -hmm. And you need to understand it. And just because you got a million and one tax write-offs don't mean that you're not still in that higher tax bracket. You still gonna be taxed at that high point because that's what you grossed. Mm -hmm. And that's what they tax you on is what you grossed, not what you took home. So yeah. having that understanding, getting that financial education up under your belt mm -hmm. is gonna be crucial because that's what's gonna help you really set realistic, like you were saying before. It's gonna help you set realistic, smart goals that you can achieve versus you throwing arbitrary numbers out there and, and then be beating yourself up because you didn't reach that outrageous or as they love to say your audacious money goes yeah your mm -hmm. audacious money goes so setting some realistic goals in it and if you don't understand it one of the best financial things that you can do for yourself is hire somebody that does understand it that's so. true okay we're gonna we're gonna flip it back for a minute do you remember when a meal was my no person <laughs> yeah you couldn't buy nothing <laughs> not nothing she'd be like nope Nope. Nope. But think about how much money she saved you. I'm sure she did. But yes, um, I think a crucial financial consideration is when you get your business banking account, a business banking account comes with a dedicated banker. That banker is there to guide you um, and assist you in products you may need from the bank, solutions that the bank can help you with referring you to programs that the bank can help you with. So that will help you in knowing this is my tax bracket a little bit. That'll help you in knowing what your savings goals and your revenue should look like. Sometimes they offer services like we're going to let you sit down with an accountant and set up your QuickBooks, things like that. So I think one of the first crucial financial considerations is open that business checking account and take full advantage and that leads to the other part is separating business and person. Ooh, we I was just having that conversation yesterday. I went to the store and I left my debit card at home. And the only debit card I had in my pocket was my business debit card. And I literally had to transfer the money from my personal account to my business account to pay for my purchase. And I was like, oh my God, my account is going to kill me because I'm co-mingling funds. But I didn't see no other option. I rang everything up. 
So well, gotta be I got an option for you on that. When, since we're on the, the topic of talking about financial institutions and stuff like that, these little phones, I don't know mm -hmm. if it's if it these little phones, mm -hmm. put your cards in your virtual wallets. Mm -hmm. Because for reasons like that, more and more businesses are starting to convert over to doing tap mm -hmm. to pay, those type mm -hmm. of things. It comes in handy when us as women, and they include men, Walk out the house without our wallets, without our debit cards. Mm -hmm. You still got all of your money right there. Mm -hmm. And getting those mobile apps to your banks, it makes it easy where you said you had to transfer the money. Mm -hmm. It makes it easy to transfer the money that you need to transfer from yeah. one account to the other. So Yeah, I, 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 I realized that um, now, but also too, I went to the Atlanta airport and I was stuck there for 12 hours and the Atlanta airport did not have digital wallet capability. So like I had money on my card, but I didn't have my card and I couldn't get anything to eat because they didn't have the digital wallet feature. They had to tap to pay, but you had to have the card. They didn't have the digital wallet feature. So you want to be careful wait, wait, wait. No, if they had If they had tap to pay for the card, guess what? They told the me it wouldn't work. It works the same way. They told me it wouldn't work. I literally oh, sat there for 12 yeah. hours not able to get nothing to drink or eat because they were like, it's not going to work on your phone. You have to have the card to tap to pay. So you want to be careful of that. Um, they ask questions. They lied to you. I was new to the digital wallet thing. I'm, you know, I'm new to the digital wallet thing. I'm used to, I got to have my card. I'm in that same boat with you. I'm new to it, but I'm learning that one of the things that I've learned, and I think this is just a life lesson, Take people's advice for the most part with a grain of salt, even the advice that I'm giving on this, dropping on this. Mm -hmm. and, and it goes back to the old phrase that my grandmother and my parents used to tell me, eat the fish and spit out the bones, meaning take the parts that's the most important to you that you can easily apply to your life, to your situation, and let the rest of it flow like water. Let it keep going. Let it blow in the wind. But get the pieces of it that are most important, that, that resonate the most with you. And if you can apply them, apply them to your life. Yeah. Uh, Another financial um, consideration I want to say is be be aware of your systems. Um, I know when I first started out, Lakeisha was like, you need a CRM and you don't need Microsoft and you need this and you don't need this. And I was very... Um, dedicated to myself i'm still dedicated to myself for signing online i still got microsoft and i still got adobe and i do use them but they are not necessary it is a personal preference so with that personal preference those expenses do not come out of my business account they come out of my personal account because they're my personal preference um but i want you to be wary of systems in that take six months and evaluate whether you use that system a lot in your business and if you don't you know, weighing on it. Don't use it. Because in the end, I realized that my net profit was being affected by the number of system subscriptions I had. Um, I personally pay my subscriptions once a year, but it's okay to pay them month to month. But I do that so that I can manage my expenses better. But I was noticing that I'm spending this much on this, I'm spending this much on this, and I'm not really using it that much in my business. You know, I signed mm -hmm. up for it and I forgot to cancel it. Well, I thought it was cute. You know, I love a good email signature. <laughs> you know? 
So you sign up for things. So just be wary of the amount of systems you sign up for and, and take stock. Like every six months, take stock. Look, are you using it? If you're not using it, get rid of it. So that'll help bring your next And Compare down. them. Compare the features of them because nine times out of 10 with the way that they're building systems now, mm -hmm. you can have a system that you're not using to its full capacity and you've got another system just to do a component that you didn't even utilize in one of the other systems. And I would say the other thing is be weary of, of these systems that are all in one. Mm -hmm. All in one, uh, all in one system does not exist. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry for those of you that think they do, they do not exist. And the reason why I say they do not exist is because with every system, they're going to be an expert at one component of it. The rest of it, they threw on the back end because it was it, it sounded like a good thing or it seemed to make life easier, but they're not an expert at it. So there, there's going to be a lot of lack in the areas of that system that they're not the expert in. So the other component of it is is having a system stack is better than an all-in-one because if you ever fall on hard times, and I, I say this mainly about your domains and your emails, not living mm -hmm. at the same place. If you ever fall on hard times and you need to float a payment, basically you don't make it right now, you, you make it a little bit later because you're on that, you're on that entrepreneurial roller coaster and, and on that income roller coaster. If you stack your systems where one may go down, the other one is still up and you can still operate. Mm -hmm. So having it like that can be a matter of making and breaking your business. Mm -hmm. Having everything all in one place, one system, and you can't make that large lump sum payment that need to be paid, then your whole business go down and mm -hmm. you can't do nothing. But having it stacked up into multiple systems and like Nakia said, control the stack. Don't let it grow and get crazy, but figure out what your main handful of systems are that you need to operate that you can operate automatically or you can operate them manually that's where you stay that's the area you stay in and then how you manage it like you said leading back to the financial piece of it if it makes more sense to you and you know how to budget where you're paying a month to month on each system do it that way if it makes sense for your budget if if that don't make sense always go the annual route so you can mm -hmm. set it up and get it but then yeah. use your calendar to set your reminders on those so you'll know before they expire, mm -hmm. hey, I got this payment coming up in a month or two. Is my revenue on point? Or however long you need to have to get your revenue on point so you can cover that larger lump sum payment and keep mm -hmm. your system going for the next year. I learned that recently. I have a personal hosting account because I have family that's like, can you build my website? Or I have multiple websites because I'm the genealogy person in my family. So I have a website for the family reunion and all those things. So I have a hosting plan that allows me to have multiple things under it. And I made the mistake of putting VA World Conference under that account. And so the other day I wasn't paying attention and I went somewhere and totally forgot that I needed to pay that. And they cut it off. And I'm like, why is my website not working? And it was because I had it under the personal one instead of having it under the separate one. So now my domain and my website hosting is under one for both KISS and VA World Conference. And then my family and generic websites are under the regular one. But that pissed me off. <laughs> because I, I usually pay everything annually and I had paid for the domain for three years. So I wasn't paying attention 
that this one was on monthly. And so I'm like, why is this not working? <laughs> so yes, be mindful and always separate out your things. Try to group them, you know, because being I have multiple brands under one thing, try to group them as a whole and make sure you're budgeting. Yes. Yeah. And document all of it. Don't just sign up for stuff and don't have it down written down somewhere in a collective place to where you can look at, okay, I got all of these systems. This yeah. is the amount that I pay for them on a monthly basis, an annual basis. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. the due date for it. And this was the last time that I paid it. Yes. So you can keep up with those things. That um, mm -hmm. being in the fourth quarter of the year, that is where my focus is right now. I was actually just mm -hmm. working on that with one of my coaches of looking at, okay, how much money am I spending? How much money do you need to finish you out for the rest of the year? Where are you spending your money at? Mm -hmm. I, I noticed in, on the personal side, I was spending a lot of money on coffee, going to Dutch Bros, <laughs> getting coffee. So I had to learn how to start making my favorite coffees at home. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and uh, another little bad habit I have that I'm working on breaking myself from is spending money on the games that I love to play on my phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was spending a ton of money there. So ringing that in, look at what mm -hmm. your what your habits are, what your behaviors are when it comes to your finances, when it comes to the systems that you're using and mm -hmm. make the adjustments as you need to so that you can mm -hmm. sustain it long-term versus short-term. Yes, I know yesterday I did my annual inflation review. And so, you know, it's fourth quarter, it's time to look at what I charge my clients and look at what I'm paying out. And, you know, I had to go to the internet and get my Kiplinger's um, business forecast for 2024. And so I literally read that report and energy costs are going up 3%, insurance is going up 5%, office rentals are going up 1%, and tech and software is going up 3%. So I took all of that and I, you know, went through my annual bills and I added those costs and then I figured out a budget. And so all of my clients got the email that your services are going up 25% as of the beginning of the year. So you definitely want to make sure that when life happens, which is food costs are up, everything is up. The cost of living for seniors and retirement, right? Retirees are going up. Your expenses have to go up as well. Because exactly. you want to be profitable in your business and stand at a low price because you like them and because they're cute and because they let you do whatever you want. It's not cute when it comes to paying those taxes. <laughs> it ain't cute when it comes to paying the bills, either. Uh -uh. No, no. Especially when the bills cut into that profit. That part. That part. Yes. So, okay. What strategies have you found when you first started, were good for marketing your business. Ooh. We all hate marketing. We all hate marketing. That is my least favorite part of business, which is marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay, ask me the question one more time. What strategies were important for you, or what strategies did you did you find were the best for you when you were marketing your business? You want me to go first? No, you don't have to. Okay. So it's been a mixture of different things. Um, I did find a strategy of being authentic mm -hmm. and being transparent to a point. Um, I learned the hard way 
that people prefer to do business with me, not my company. They are looking for me and what I bring to the table versus me talking about my company, my company, my company, my company. Um, so making sure that I am present and that is some, that's an area uh, of opportunity for me is making sure that I'm present, making sure I'm visual or visible to where people see me and hear me because I'm the best person to explain what my business does. I'm the best person that can sell the services that I offer and the products that I offer. Um, but beyond that, it, the, the strategy that I noticed that work is a mixture, a mixture of being live like this, a mixture of showing the different things, examples of your business, a mixture of storytelling and talking about your business. And then the, the biggest part that is really a big struggle for me because I am such an introvert and don't like leaving the house is networking. Whether it's virtual networking or physically getting up, leaving your house and going to networking events, but talking about your business, letting people know what it is that you do, not living in a silo, thinking that just because you created a business that they will come. It, it, this is not a created and they will come type thing. No, this is a created and go out there and show them where you went mm -hmm. and prove to them even though I don't like having to prove to people that I know what I'm doing, but let's be honest, you got to prove to people that you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. but prove that you know what you're doing, show them where you are, show them how to get in contact with you and set the tone of how you going to interact with them. Mm -hmm. Because I got to quote my girl. I love this chick so much. I love Cardi B. Not because of the music she put out. Let me say that. Cause I don't agree with everything she put out music wise. I don't even listen to all of her music. But the one thing that she said, she said it in a way talking about a specific group of people, but I'm going to say it in general. People are only going to do what you allow. So if yeah. you allow people to just come into your business working with you and they dictate everything that you do, that's going to be the expectation that everybody is going to end up having because it only takes one person to go to a group of people and tell them, oh, I work with this person and I paid them little or nothing or she she told me she did this, but I got her to do this. It only takes one person to do that. So setting the tone and the expectation of what it is that you are going to do and putting stating your boundaries and sticking to your boundaries of what you're not going to allow, what you're not going to tolerate, what you're not going to do um, is a key part of that strategy. Mm -hmm. um, I know that for me... Um... I struggled with this because, like I said, I had no formal um, business training and I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I, I feel like I'm an introvert, but I've grown so much. But um, yeah, okay. so being the face of my brand was hard for me. Um, I couldn't talk on camera. I have awesome video of that, which I might share. It's horrible. <laughs> um, all the things, all the things. But I, I grew by joining a Facebook group um, and having to put myself out there while being in a supportive environment um, that mm -hmm. translated into starting my own Facebook group with a partner and having to be present for other people. And by being present for other people, I showed my expertise 
I showed my transparency and authenticity. And that led to word of mouth referrals. So I can proudly say that I'm blessed that all of my clients have come from referrals. Um, not everybody's going to be that blessed, but I have been blessed in that effort. Um, in starting the VA World Conference, I have had to, again, be the face of a brand. Um, and so I'm networking more. Um, and that was hard for me, but it's getting easier. Um, I'm invited to all these things. I'm meeting new people. And so it's getting easier, um, which is weird because in my professional life, I am a rock star at networking. <laughs> like I recently took a friend to the admin awards in DC and I was all over the place. And she was like, how can you do that? I'm like, they just like me. They admins too. Like, how are they better? You know, so you have to go into the mindset of, they're at this thing the same way you're at this thing. So maybe they feel the same way you feel and they're just human too. So take that approach of they're not bigger than me. Mm -hmm. I learned that in my retreat too, that I went to this year, you know, I went to a retreat and I knew the coach and I knew the type of people she worked with. So I was intimidated thinking like, Oh my God, I'm this little person who only makes 20,000 a year in her business. And, and I'm going to this thing with, experts who make millions and things like that and when I got there yes they may make more money than me but they still were human and they still had similar problems to me and so you know sometimes we have to take out the the they're better than me type of situation and just look at you know they're here for the same thing I'm here for exactly so there are lots of different strategies to marketing but I think the most important strategy to marketing is always be yourself because you don't want to have that that interaction. And then when you get to work together, that ain't you. Exactly. Being authentic <laughs> all the way around. You right. Being authentic yes. all the way around. And at the end of the day, whether you make $20,000 a year or a million dollars a year, you're both still human. You both put your pants on one leg at a time. So. And you still go through the same economy. Yep. That part. <laughs> so think back to those taxes. Mm -hmm. Think back to them taxes. Yep, 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 yep. Yes. Okay, question for you. You live in the middle of the country, Middle East, right? M no, Middle South. So middle you're South. from Arkansas and you mm -hmm. live in Texas mm -hmm. and you're a female and you're a woman of color and you're kind of smart when it comes to systems. <laughs> Do you feel your cultural or personal background has influenced your journey? Absolutely. Ab absolutely. As a Black woman from the South, I was taught to be fearless. I was taught to speak my mind, especially if I feel like I'm being wrong to speak up. Don't sit in the corner and let people run all over you, even though that has been an area of opportunity for me when it comes to certain situations. But I think it has definitely influenced what I'm capable of doing. Um, and like you said, the influence from family, from friends, propelled my career on the corporate side and equipped me on the entrepreneurial side. Um, one of the things that I said before, I didn't have really have that example in front of me of what an entrepreneur looked like when I was growing up. But what I did not know is that I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. I just didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. 
people, I, I got hairdressers in my family. I didn't realize they are entrepreneurs because they didn't tell me that. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Um, I knew that my family owned a funeral home at one point in my hometown, but it didn't dawn on me that they were entrepreneurs. And once I finally got on the track of doing business and it, and my track started with the multi-level marketing or direct mm -hmm. sales or how, uh, as the, as they love to say in the old day, a pyramid scheme, even though I didn't feel like it was a pyramid scheme. But it started there. That's what sparked me into going into key administration, into setting up an administrative company, because that's what I was doing on the back end of that. But I didn't realize, and I got mad when I realized that we had a funeral home, but it was a generation before me that decided that they didn't want to learn it. They ain't want to deal with, as they put it, I ain't want to deal with no dead bodies. But there's components of running a funeral home that you never have to touch a dead body. Mm -hmm. So it was two generations, one that didn't want to teach and the other one that didn't want to learn. Mm -hmm. And it left a gap in my family of entrepreneurs. I am the first one in my generation that picked up the torch. Once I picked it up, more and more family members have started to pick it up and I see it coming back full circle again. Mm -hmm. And we are now to a point to where it's a group of us that can sit down and have a conversation where we're talking about business forecasting, where we're talking about what systems we need to be using, where we're talking about the process that we need to set up. We're talking about how, how do we get to the point to where we start hiring a team or how do we get to the point to where it's okay for me to walk away from my job because I don't desire to do both anymore. Or mm -hmm. is it a bad thing that I want to still do both? And like you mm -hmm. said, it's not a bad thing if you want to still work a job while you build your business. I actually recommend it. I don't recommend people take the route that I did. I took the route of walking away from my job before my business income completely replaced my, uh, my, my work income, my job income. But I did that because I had the support on the back end to be able to do it. But my recommendation to anybody is continue to do it. Continue to build your business. If you desire to walk away from your corporate job, don't do it until your business can 100% support you. Because that roller coaster ride is more difficult when you haven't done it than it is when you've done what you're supposed to do and the business can support you and you know what you're doing to keep yourself up here instead of dipping down low. But it's inevitable. Every business is going to do a dip. It's how fast you come back up out of the dip that makes the difference. And without that, that income, the business income surpassing, I'm not even going to say just replacing, surpassing what you're making in your business it makes that uphill go a lot faster than you go downhill real fast and then you creep in to come back up. And a lot of things that people don't take into consideration with it is when you work a job, depending on the job you have, you got insurance. You may only be paying, you know, three, four hundred dollars a month because they split it up between your paychecks. But in all actuality, that business is taking a big chunk of it. The average policy for a person, and I had to learn this the hard way when I became an entrepreneur, the average policy for a person is going to run you about two racks a month. The whole thing, if you got to pay it yourself. And that's on the low end. 
That's not having a lot of coverage. That's you having some big co-pays, all of that good old stuff. So you got to take all of that stuff into consideration. You're going to be paying your own premiums, mm -hmm. and that's on medical, dental, and vision if you need all of them. Your car insurance changes. Mm -hmm. all Like all of the stuff that you don't really think about. Now you're responsible for that whole thing. So if you're making 20000 well, I ain't going to use 20, if you're making $60,000 at your job, in all honesty, your company is probably paying more like 120000 to 180000 for you to be an employee there because they're taking on part of your cost. When you decide to step into this yourself, you are responsible for the full $180,000. You got to figure out where it's going to come from to maintain, and that's just maintaining you. That ain't maintaining your team that comes along with it too. So yes. those are a lot of the things that you got to think about. Yes, I know one of my major considerations is mental health coverage. I definitely have to have top tier mental health coverage um, for med medication management and, and psychology, psychiatrist visits. But also another thing is preparing for your legacy. Um, I am um, already um, researching 401ks for self-employed. Um, I plan to take my money out of my company 401k and donate that money when well, I donate, but invest that money in my own personal 401k. So we have to be considerate of those things. Also too, I learned in a class that as a, a, a culture, we've always been entrepreneurs. The ladies selling icebergs, the people selling dinners. My grandma used to sell ceramics. You know, all those people who were in your hood were entrepreneurs. You just didn't yeah, my grandmother had a social club and the social club used to do um events for kids. They used to do community events and took took us to Broadway and took let's us be to a, look, Let's be authentic. Your, your grandma had a juke joint, didn't she? My grandfather had a juke joint. <laughs> yes. The bottom half of my grandfather's house was literally a bar. I mean, it literally said bar on the door. It was literally a bar. Yes, my grandfather had a juke joint, but my grandma had a social club. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So I always saw those things, but I did not know it was business. I thought that was their job. Mm -hmm. Even though I knew my grandma was a social worker, I thought that was a part of her job because she was so community focused. So right. I never equated it to entrepreneurship. So oh, yes, a lot of people in my family are are seeing me do things, and now they want to start t-shirt lines and hair, you know, hair and wig and those type of things. So yes, one yeah, it only takes one everybody. of us to get the ball rolling for the entire mm -hmm. family. And if you stay adamant, like, oh my God, starting out it was so frustrating because mm -hmm. I felt like I did not have the support of my family. But what it is is they're gonna sit back and they're gonna see if you succeed or if you mm -hmm. fail. Mm -hmm. and if you show them like my mom just actually said something to me the other day she said she she actually apologized and she said I didn't realize how serious you were about it she said baby you've been doing this for 10 years now almost 10 years now mm -hmm. and she apologized she said I know I haven't been the most supportive like your sister started up doing her crafting business and I've been very supportive of her and I'm sorry that I was not giving you that same support. She said, I just didn't know how to support you. So a tip to anybody that's out here doing it, especially those that are doing service-based businesses, teach your family, teach your community around you 
how to support you. Because I promise, like you over here struggling, trying to figure out how to do the business, they over there struggling, trying to figure out how to support you. Mm -hmm. And support does not always have to be money. That is true. Support can be a Facebook share. Mm -hmm. Support can be recommending you to people. Mm -hmm. support can just be them calling and checking on you and seeing how you doing mm -hmm. support comes in many fashion don't get mad at people because they ain't supporting you in the way you feel like they should they can only support you in the capacity that they have and if mm -hmm. that's just picking up the phone and calling you mm -hmm. then give them kudos for that support because yeah. you need support in multiple ways that is true I have awesome support annoying at times but it's awesome Right. What steps have you taken to build a sense of community while you are working as a solo entrepreneur virtually? I am always looking for somebody that I can talk to. Whether it's I'm listening to them or I'm doing all of the talking or I'm sharing my knowledge because they are not an expert in that area whatever it is. So always looking for that company, like doing it on the virtual side. I got to a point to where I did not leave the house at one point in time. And it was just me and two dogs in the house. My husband was at work and I don't have any children. So I was like, I need some people at interaction. As, as much as big of an introvert as I am, going out and being out in the public takes too much of my energy. But at the same time, I still need that interaction. I still need that energy from other people. So I had to figure out how to do it in the virtual world became that. So just like we look for networking events outside of the house, or we look for places to go to entertain ourselves, it's the same thing on the virtual side. You got to look for those different communities, see what that community is about. And like you said about your systems, give that community a little bit of time to see if it is the actual right fit for you. Mm -hmm. Because I've been in communities where I thought they were a good fit, but after a little while, they started to show their true colors. And I was like, no, baby, this ain't for me. This mm -hmm. and not exit stage left. And you ain't got to mm -hmm. do no big old post, no big old rigmarole about leaving and walking away from it. Just walk away from it. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah. the same as, in, in, in a nutshell, I know I went the long way to get to that answer, but in a nutshell, it's the same way you would in person. When you're looking for a community uh, in person, you're looking for a group of people to hang out with, it's the exact same thing on the virtual side. You just got to know what you're looking for. That is true. I know when I first started, um, you go to Google. Google's your friend, you think. And you hit that first, that first one and you join. That was not a good fit for me. Um, it was chaotic. It was, it was just not for me. And so I, I left, um, you know, and I, I say the story all the time. I never mention names because, of course, you don't want to block someone from it being right for them. But right. it just wasn't right for me. And, you know, I did eventually find what was right for me. And then I created what the version of it was right for me. Um, and so, yeah, you want to make sure that you are taken into consideration. Um, having grace with yourself, because sometimes we get into this. I'm new and I don't know what I deserve. So you stay because you think that's what you should do. So don't think you have to stay because that was the proper thing to do or that's what was suggested. Always make sure you're comfortable and find yeah. what you need. Absolutely. And I love what you said. You couldn't find it. So you created it. Don't be afraid to create it. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can't, as they say, if you can't find a table to sit down at, stop looking for the table and create the table and, and invite others that are still looking as well. Because you yes. can you control that environment around you. You control the community by either choosing to stay or leave and being selective about who you allow to be a part of your community. Mm -hmm. There's some That's people a true where, statement. Mm, That's yeah, a true it's statement. some people that I've come in contact with, and when we first met, it seemed like it was a dope match. But as we got to know each other, I was like, yeah, this, you gonna stay over here on this side in this community? I'm gonna go over here, and I'm a firm believer in always being in a in a community where you are accepted and you are loved versus a community where you are only tolerated. Mm. That is a good one right there. Tolerated. Oh my God. Tolerated. Yep. Yes. Communities like that. It's a lot of talk that's going on behind your back. Yes. Ooh, that was that was okay. Can you share an experience when learning from others impacted your journey? Oh, that's my entire journey. My entire journey, whether it was a good way or a bad way. <laughs> no. Um, one in particular, uh, shout out to our former coach, Miss Regina, the mindfulista. Um, learning from her impacted my journey in a huge, huge way. Um, I started up my virtual assistant business, but I could not figure out for the life of me. And I had been at it for a couple of years and I could not figure out for the life of me of how to start, how to make it profitable, how to turn it around from just being a hobby in a, into an actual business and being teachable, being coachable, being trainable under her toolage helped me actually birth my second business that opened the door for me to keep moving even further. Um, I started up a t-shirt company, but I didn't want my t-shirt company to be like every other t-shirt company. Um, most people, when they first see me, the first impression of me is, oh, she's very professional. She's very buttoned up. She's very quiet. What y'all don't know is <laughs> behind all of that, I cuss like a sailor. I don't do it all the time because... I understand that it's not appropriate in every environment, but I speak my mind. I do. Uh, and the name of the company is called No Filter because I can have, I, I know how to turn it on and how to turn it off. Mm -hmm. But under her toolage, as well as being introduced to other people that I could study from and learn from, it showed me that I was capable of doing all of the things that I really wanted to do. I just needed a little help and a little, little direction of how to go about doing all of it. And being under Regina showed me that, number one, I was in my head way too much, that I needed to get out of my own way. And I needed to figure out if I wanted to operate in some of the most uncomfortable areas, which one of them was being like you, was being on camera going live and talking about my business and marketing my business. If I wanted to get comfortable at it, I had to be uncomfortable for a short period of time to build up my comfort level in it. So I say being under her, that changed the entire trajectory of what I was doing of my business. And I'll forever be grateful to her for that. And it 
also she also helped me learn how to read the coaches, the mentors, the people that I associated myself with because I've come across in my years, I've come across some folks that I shouldn't have been listening to at all. Baby, yes, they took me down. I'm I'm supposed to be going down ABC Street. They took me down 123 Street and 123 Street is rough. <laughs> so, you know, just all of it. I, I I look at it this way. Even the people that I that can fall into that category of that I shouldn't have been fooling with, mm -hmm. I've been able to learn a lesson. I found the lesson in that interaction with all of it. So shout out again, shout out to Regina the Mindful Nista. Yeah. Definitely. I had the same experience. Um being new. She got me out of my comfort zone of learning to get off camera. I mean, learning to be on camera. Um, she also gave me the framework of what I wanted to see in a community. Um, and she also just has been a really good friend. And also the most important thing was she was affordable. Like she gave lots of free information. Um, I even um, volunteered under her business um, as a content writer and um, social media person. But like when it came to her coaching, I literally could afford it. I mean, I think it was $19 a month um, to have co-working access. I literally could afford it. And as a new entrepreneur who was struggling to get clients and couldn't be on camera and had the confidence and imposter syndrome issues, that was paramount for me because I'm like, everybody say get a coach, but a coach costs $2,000. I can't afford that. So I got to figure it out on my own. And, you know, I went the corporate way of like figuring it out on my own. I went and took all these classes, got all these certifications. And yeah, that looks good on paper. And sometimes it builds the confidence of someone looking to work with you. But sometimes that's not enough either. So having her just be a genuine person who could afford to help other people while providing a cost-effective solution was the best thing for me and helped me to bolster um, into the type of business owner I am now where I want to give back and be affordable and all those things. So right. yes, definitely shout out to Regina. Absolutely. Okay. How do you handle setbacks and keep yourself motivated? With a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness for myself. This is the conversation you and I actually had, what, last week, week before last? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness for myself and a lot of patience with myself. We don't know what we don't know. And even sometimes when we do know, we are still human. And we have to give ourselves grace. We have to be forgiving of ourselves because we cannot be superwoman every day, all day long. We are human. You sure? Positive. I'm positive. Baby, I don't want I don't want to be superwoman. Mm -mm. Y'all can keep that. I, as, as the song say, I don't want that S on my chest. Mm -mm. I had it so longer. No. I'm that type of person I love to be in the background. I, I don't care for all of the spotlight. Even if what I did was life changing for somebody, I don't care to be brought into the spotlight. You can say thank you on the back end and I'm fine with it. But for myself, it is understanding that even with all of the knowledge, all of the training that I've had, I'm human and I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have good days and I'm going to have bad days. 
and I'm allowed to. I allow myself to sit in my emotions when I do have a bad day, but I also understand I can't stay there forever. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it's harder to pull yourself up out of it than it is on other days. But mm-hmm. don't be mean to yourself. Don't beat yourself up about when you have a longer bad day that extends into longer bad days, weeks, months, and even years. Just be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace. Give you know, be merciful on yourself. Mm-hmm. The same thing that and. For those of you that are not religious, I understand. But the same grace and mercy that God gives us on a daily, give it to yourself on a daily. Mm-hmm. Because you are only human. You are not perfect. If you were perfect, you would not be walking this earth. That is a good sentiment. And yes, we did have that discussion this week. Um, mm-hmm. I had to make some hard decisions in my organization. Um, I was overwhelmed with all of life. And I was slacking with my clients. So I had to, you know, pick myself back up after I had the conversation because, you know, I was like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you, you was pretty much done with it. Yeah, you But, you know, I made the decision. I did all that, you know, cut it off. And then last night I sat down and I reworked it. So today I plan to rebuild the website and re-advertise the, the situation and, and move on from it. And, you know, I sent the email to my client saying, you know, I was having a, a time, you know, always being transparent with them. And I have now completed all these tasks, gave them status updates, and everything will be back to normal from now on. Thank you for your patience, da da da, da. You know, so just giving myself the grace that I didn't know I needed, um, being transparent and getting back to it, not allowing myself to sit in the pity party that I didn't think I was having, but, you know, also, you have to realize you are having a pity party. Mm-hmm. So make sure you have that tribe that can call you out. Yeah. You know, because sometimes I'm gonna I get. You. I'm going to challenge you in that. You, you made a statement just then that you told them that it, it won't happen anymore, that they won't have to worry about it happening again. I'm going to challenge you not to say that. The reason why is because you're human. Oh, you're you talking have- about not having a pity party anymore? I'm just saying not wallowing in it wallowing in it having a pity part any of that i'm gonna challenge you not to put that expectation on yourself that it'll never happen again because you are human and it can happen again tomorrow it could happen again in the next hour so don't i wouldn't leave with that expectation and tell my clients and tell other people it'll never happen again because you don't know if it'll happen again that's true confirm reaffirm with them that i now have measures in place i now have skills in place Mm -hmm. to if it does happen again i can handle it accordingly Mm -hmm. i I have preventative measures in place to try to prevent it from happening it may still happen even with my preventative measures but Mm -hmm. this is the actions that i'm going to take to mitigate it so i will challenge you for the clarification (laughs) (laughs) okay we only have two questions left Okay. How do you perceive the future of remote work, especially for women of color? I see it continuing to grow. Um, The pandemic was a very special, very unique situation that happened for the entire world. Um, I've worked jobs, office jobs, where you're working on the computer all day long and 
we asked about working from home and they were like, no, it don't make no sense. We'll never be able to do it. You won't be productive. The pandemic showed all of the naysayers about working from home. Number one, it is possible. Number two, there are people who thrive better being able to work in an environment that's more comfortable to them. So it it was the catalyst for change all the way around. It changed the culture. It changed the environment of in-person jobs, of going to an office where some offices were so strict. You can't do this. You can't do that. They've relaxed their rules because they notice when you allow people to relax mm-hmm. and work in an environment that is comfortable to them, they're more productive. Now you do have some that when they went home, they got lazy. They they productivity mm-hmm. went down. They need to be in the office space with the stricter mm-hmm. rules. But there are some of us, and I say us because I'm one of those people. If you let me work in an environment where I'm completely comfortable, you're going to get more out of me. One of the things that I hated the most, well, two things that I hated the most about working in, in a corporate office. It's number one, I couldn't play music. I'm more productive when I can zone out into my music. I might get to singing a little bit <laughs> and bobbing along with the music. I may break out into a little dance break every now and then, but my work is going to be done and it's going to be done to the best of my ability because I'm happy. Mm-hmm. The other part is that air conditioner. I'm anemic. <laughs> I cannot stand being cold. So not allowing me to have either a little space heater and I understand for safety precautions, the space heaters are not the most mm-hmm. ideal thing. But if I can't have the space heater, don't tell me I can't bring a blanket to wrap Mm -hmm. myself in to keep myself warm because you refuse to turn the air conditioner down. And I understand that sometimes the air conditioner has to be up. Well, in most cases, the pandemic was one of the things that showed us that. The hospitals have it cold enough for a reason because being cold, most germs cannot live in it. And I understand doing that at businesses. But don't handicap people that have situations like I have. I am severely anemic. It's not something where people try to tell me all the time, you just need to take your iron pills. People like can take the iron pills all day long. They don't. Sometimes it don't change. I still freeze even taking the iron pills or it causes other complications for me. So the pandemic actually showed them that being having the remote aspect can be very What's the word I'm looking for? Beneficial to them. Beneficial, yeah. Very beneficial to them in their bottom line because you can have, you can actually have, you can split it to where you can have staff that works in office and those are the people that need to be working in office that enjoy working in the office and you got those that can work remotely that need to work remotely that do better working remotely. So you can have that mixture of both worlds. But for women of color, um, I feel that working remotely has it, it's taken us to new heights. The number of women of color that have started businesses, the number of women of color who have been able to change their day-to-day life with their children because they're able to work from home, that change their relationships with their mates because they're able to work from home. It just well, you hear the terms thrown around work-life balance. It created a better work-life balance for a lot of us. Yeah. So I see it continuing to grow. I see forward-thinking leaders really embracing it more and more. 
where some of them, as soon as they lifted the ban of us not being in, in spaces after the pandemic, they went right back to the old way. Anybody come in the office? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I see the forward thinkers actually stepping up into those roles and making sure that it is a mixture that the mm-hmm. culture is really set to where people can thrive in their cultures versus only one portion of it being successful and the other portion lacking and then they having to be on their backs about it. So mm-hmm. I see it growing. Yes. Um, in corporate, I work in facilities. And so we manage multiple buildings. So it was a little tricky. A little tricky. You know, we got all these empty buildings <laughs> that have to be maintained. So that costs money. <laughs> but um, our company has handled it with grace. I only have to work in the office once a week. Um, the techs are there every day because, of course, they're maintaining the building. But um, for the most part, no one had to come back. Um, they just asked that you come in the office at least once a week. Um, so that has been a great thing. Um, I remember when I was a single parent with two kids, it was a constant struggle with the the school calling or there's a doctor's appointment or I got to go to court, <laughs> you know, and it was can I take off? Can I use my lunch break? Can I come in late? And, you know, employers get a little tired of that. So, yes, definitely um, the flexibility of being to work from home um, provided some some um, lesson of the burden for single parents or, you know, not even single parents, any parent who may have a, a sick child or uh, unruly at times child or, you know, just needed the sanity of I don't really want to work there all day long. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Having being able to take those mental health days. Not not that there's anything wrong, but you're just exhausted mentally and you just need to take a day to rest. Yeah. 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 Being able yeah. to do that, uh working remotely, like the last job that I worked, um, I had to build up to being able to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were times where I was in the office. And I was having what I love to coin as the Bruno days. Y'all don't don't try to take my stuff. I'm I'm gonna trademark Bruno days. I'm about to say you need to copyright that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna copyright that the, the Bruno days. But there will be times where I will have those days where I didn't want. I didn't feel like people. My people meter was over the top. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take it. Like I wanted to be in my silo. I, I didn't. It's not that I didn't want to do my work. It's just the aspect of having somebody walking over to my desk all the time was too much and when it gets to that point you can't focus on what you're supposed to be doing because mm-hmm. you need to you need a release so in that job when I finally got to the point well when I had to force it that was, mm-hmm. that was that's a whole nother conversation but when I had to force my manager into allowing me to have that day or those days to work from home it was a relief to be able to do it so to not be able to do it is is yeah I was like why haven't we been doing this for years like if it's not that I don't feel like doing my job it's I just don't feel like coming in there and being around a bunch of people I don't feel like having to fight through traffic to get to the job or to go to lunch or to go home at the end of the day but I still want to do the work that I need to get done because that's all that's been on my mind. So having that flexibility to do that. And I think that instead of instead of them setting it up to where 
you only get to work from home one or two days and they get to pick the days and all of that, it should be flexible. It should be a hybrid. And this is my personal opinion. It's the way that I will run my, well, my company will forever be virtual. But if, if I did have to get a physical location, it would be, you have that flexibility mm -hmm. to where if you wake up and you just not feeling like coming in the office, but you still want to get your work done, you have the capability of doing that. Yeah. I, it's all about the people for me. Your your mental state, your physical state is more important to me than just having you sitting, a body sitting in a building, running up a light bill, a water bill, all of that for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. The amount of money that company saved because they wasn't running so much electricity and all of that because people wasn't in the building, baby. If they are really, it goes back to the financial pieces we were talking about. They were really watching their finances the way they should be. They would have realized letting them work at home, I can reduce this cost down. I ain't got to pay for this four, five, six-story building. I can get a one-story building, put all of my servers in it, and have my maintenance crew just working on my servers. Okay. Um, from the facility standpoint, I'm going to say that's not a true statement, but we ain't going to go into that. Um, <laughs> you know, because that ain't real. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna tell you about that all it, it don't apply to all, all okay, I'm just saying that ain't real, but I'm gonna tell you about that all yeah, yeah. Okay. So this has been a lovely conversation. Absolutely. Um so to close, do you have a piece of advice or some inspiration for those who are about to start their own journey? Ooh, you always know my favorite part to say, my favorite thing to tell y'all. <laughs> and if everybody from all of the virtual assistant groups we've been in that have heard me talking. To say, yeah, she's going to send you back to the drawing board. My favorite quote, and I got this quote from one of my mentors, Mr. Charles Thomas. He is a financial advisor um, out of Arkansas and one of the best in the industry. If you look him up, he's somewhere in the top five financial advisors in the country. One of the things that he told me a long time ago is there's no point in speeding up when you headed in the wrong direction. Yeah. Meaning, take a look at what you're working on. Is it really getting you to your end goal? If it's not, ain't no point in steady going down that rabbit hole, speeding, trying to speed up to go down that rabbit hole when you need to be going in the other direction. So always take a look at what you're doing, assess it, and make sure that it is still leading you to the goal that you set for yourself. If it's not, it's okay to stop where you are, pause for a minute, reassess, turn around, and go in the other direction. With that being said, I have thoroughly enjoyed this interview, Nakia. Yes. Um, I want to say thank you to Lakeisha because it was an awesome interview. It was actually an hour and a half. I should have known. But um, <laughs> I want to remind everyone that we were not just talking, although we was. <laughs> we were sharing, growing, and reshaping the narrative of what it's like to virtually have reality hit you when you're an entrepreneur. So let's continue to shine together and we'll see you next time. Bye.